Blog Talk Radio. Uh, pleasant good evening to all of you out there in Raiderland. Um, this is the Cricket Show. And we are whoop, holding to join Mason and guests around about 18 minutes past 6 o'clock. In the meantime, to keep you occupied, we have a short bit of uh, information for you that was presented by the president of the Western East Cricket Board, Mr. Ricky Skerritt, in which he explains the 10-point plan. Listen, and we'll break from it at 18 minutes after 6, when we'll join Mason and Gibbs. Enjoy. We saw some good glimpses when they played against India, and now they won 62 for 4 and 28 overs. So they should go on to win, and that should please every West Indian. Um, of course, uh, obviously, victory is what we all desire. But remember, this is Ireland mm-hmm. in the 11th rank in the world. We are ranked number nine. If, right. if we don't beat Ireland, then we really have serious problems. Yeah, I would suggest Mind you, it's not that we have lost. Ranked below us. That is how quick it is. But uh, in other words, I, I, you expect that West Indies would do well at home against most teams, and especially against the team ranked below us. What was particularly encouraging was to see the performance in Asia, and to see the this, the, the sense of uh, responsibility that that most of the players carried, and and, and the level of spirit and, and enthusiasm and an overall approach to, to fighting against probably the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, just before we get into the meat of the matter, I know you've, 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 you've got a, a, an engagement, so I won't keep you too, too long, uh, Mr. President. Uh, congratulations are in order for Sir Clive and for Sir Gordon. I know you would have spoken about it, but I'd love to hear you on this and get uh, congratulations to these great men. Oh, you can't say enough about and 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 so Gordon, it's it's what a pleasure to add those two to the list. I I, I can't omit uh, the fact that there are others before that mm-hmm. have been so honoured. And uh, you know, Barbados really has led the way with 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 the night. Yeah, and you know, and also has mm-hmm. has some nights. So it's great for cricketers everywhere and cricket lovers to see down the road, even if it takes a while, that the best performers, the best uh, West Indian giants end up getting recognized, Mm -hmm. as they should be. Indeed. Um, And on a different note, Courtney Brown, unfortunate in terms of his accident, I know that you were in contact, and it's good to see that Courtney Brown um, is recovering quite nicely. Let's just say that he had a lot of prayers from all around the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. you know, He's a good guy. We we have some some differences, uh, and and I, I hope Courtney will play a role in, in West Indies cricket down the road. But mm-hmm. Courtney is very very uh, blessed 
says one can come to, to uh, pay him goodbye to the world. It's a, a really shocking uh, photograph. Yes, indeed. In the car that they were taken out of. Oh, yeah, yeah indeed. Oh, indeed. Well, we certainly uh, wish Courtney Rowan well. And, uh, of course, they, well, I understand that your recovery may take long, but, of course, he's very much with us and we're happy that he um, is there along with his wife and she's doing pretty well. Now, some other matters. You've been in office now for just about nine months now. Generally, are you happy with, with what has happened so far, Ricky? I'm not unhappy. Um, we, we have made progress on several fronts. Um, you know, Rome was invented in a day, but mm -hmm. I'm happy to say that we, we have been to line up the, the forces on the same track, so to speak. The whole mission is to get all of the assets, human assets in particular, uh, moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, would you have expected anything different so far? Anything that might have disappointed you? Anything you would have wanted? may not get 
full documentation on everything. And um, in, in a lot of instances, the financials look literally at the point of meetings. You can very easily miss a number of key uh, issues, especially when you're a non-executive director and the staff is not necessarily speaking to you directly about some of the things that they're experiencing. Um, so we, we're fixing that, you know. We, we're opening up transparency. We're making, making sure that, that the communication is clearer and we have uh, ongoing uh, said, uh, uh, the observations and the findings that, that that were brought out to us in this report and the desired objectives and remedies are now being implemented. Well, it is a surprising uh, revelation uh, to us considering that the construct of Cricket West Indies has not uh, changed significantly, but but I get more over the fact that... Revelations when? Well, I mean, since um, you, you were unaware of the of the cash flow difficulties prior to your taking office nine months ago, but but also looking at a cadre of of directors and other people that go to quarterly meetings. I mean, there must have been some one with uh, financial knowledge and skills that would have been incisive in questions and in meetings that that this sort of thing shouldn't have been in the dark. That that is a surprise to me. Mm. Well, um, you, you haven't really come across any surprises yet. Oh dear. No, you're scaring me. Oh dear. <laughs> any, any remarks for this, uh, uh, press, Mr. President at this stage? Not, not, not at this point. Not at this point. So, 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 so we expected some bombshells later on, is that what you were suggesting to us? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just Shocking all. Shocking all. No, you see, you're going down a particular okay. path as, as a journalist, I understand that. I'm just simply uh, saying the extent to which we are shoulder with significant revenues to now implement. Um, there, there, there's no easy fixes to, to, to embedded operational issues. Uh, related to chronic cash flow problems, we we're taking it on the other side. But you know, it's just remember, just for the record, the organization spent twenty two million dollars more than it earned in fiscal year two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen. Sorry, $22 million. Forgive me, I wish to vote. Well, America. $22 million was supposed to be funded by a loan from the Jamaica private sector that was being put together by the, the, the former president, which never materialized for a whole long list of reasons. So when, when you have a deficit of that, you and you know that you're going to have it in advance, then you're either going to find a way to fund it or you're going to have to cut costs. There were no attempts to cut costs. 
because there was so much confidence that it would be funded by a loan uh, generated in the form of a bond. But mm-hmm. so I, we could we could spend two hours on your program talking about this, but this is not the right time. No, no, it's not the right time. But, but essentially, the let's say on day T minus one of assuming the presidency, you were totally unaware of the financial situation of Cricket West Indies. I would say totally unaware. You can't be totally unaware that the organization is not a, a, a flush, profitable organization. Right. We have seen the organization struggle over the years to, to even break even. So uh, what I said was that it was shocking for me the extent to which we have no cash. Oh, oh I see. It's about cash flow. You, see, you, you, you can see figures, but unless you get clear information about cash. Look, the organization itself wasn't even clear who it owed money and how much it owed money to. Really? It wasn't that bad? Oof. Oh my god. Alright, well, uh, in the interest of time, we, we, we're going to move on. Just before you came on the show, Mr. President, August Higgins, the noted Jamaican journalist, he, he, well, he's got an article out saying, has Kerr abandoned the West Indies first policy? And in that article, he pointed out that Trevor Penny, um, you know, Monty Desai, and uh, Chris Rabanzon, the Corbyn education manager, decided the batting coach, Trevor Penny, the assistant coach, they've all been picked, and you enunciated a policy of, of West Indies first policy when he first took over. And there's some criticism coming from the Greeners article written by August Higgins. How do you respond to that, Mr. President? There was a, a Sunday Gleaner article that followed the next day. Right. That, that as a result of the interview that they did with me. The, by the way, the gentleman who offered, uh, wrote that article without attempting to speak to anybody in the West Indies. Not even Jimmy Adams, who mm-hmm. is a famous Jamaican and West Indian who is director of cricket and who ultimately uh, gives, you know, the final word on some of these things in terms of the technical side of it. Mm-hmm. So there was no attempt. And then the Jamaica Sunday Gleaner called and asked for, uh, you know, uh, for some feedback. So I, I thought it was brilliant of the Gleaner to create an issue and mm-hmm. then address it. the technical people are hiring the best from around the world 
are not necessarily West Indians, that there must be an arrangement within their contractual arrangements. There must be an allowance for them to be reassigned as necessary to development and high performance situations. And they must be involved in active programs for succession planning and for passing on skills and technology and, and, and wisdom and so on. Mm -hmm. So that was not in place before. That is a, a big one. As, as a matter of fact, um, they're speaking about who we hired, but we've also, as you know, come to, uh, uh, I have to say, we, we didn't fire any foreign coaches, contrary mm -hmm. to what you may have heard in, in other sources, big uh, piece of the media. We actually reassigned the foreign coaches we had, and they refused to, to carry out the high performance and, and developmental role that we were asking them to perform. And so we came to a, a mutual uh, 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 termination agreement in the case of, I'm talking about in the case of the former head coach and the former batting coach. Mm -hmm. So the, the issue then comes up, Jimmy and the new, of course, as you know, we have a West Indian head coach now. Right. So, and, and that was a matter of policy that we would not even invite any non-West Indian heritage coaches to apply for that position. So there is actions speaking louder than words. And that head coach and his boss, the director of cricket, mm -hmm. then set about to put their management team together. In the meantime, there was a new head coach for the women's team, and he said about So we're looking forward to talking to them. Without any further ado, let's go and uh, get some clarity because only a couple of days ago, there was an article which came from the Chronicle uh, in Guyana, and it stated that Sir Clive Lloyd, of course, we know him very well, it stated uh, that um, Jason Holder had really overstayed his time, basically, and he, Sir Clive, not at all happy about what, in fact, was said. And I know that he's quite, quite upset. I remember a couple of months on this show, we had a situation where um, he made a comment about the West Indies side going to England, and uh, a writer actually did, in fact, put something in the papers that uh, Sir Clive didn't, didn't say at all. And I know that matter uh, has been seriously taken up by Sir Clive. So um, let's go and get that clarity from Sir Clive before we uh, start our, our show. Uh, let's go to, to London. He's not in Lancashire because, in fact, when <laughs> the writer wrote that story a couple of months ago, he said he's speaking from his Lancashire home. Well, we know that <laughs> Sir Clive did, in fact, play for Lancashire, and that really gave the writer away. Really, he's, he's living in London. So we, we thought it important here on, on Mason and Guests uh, to, to, to clear the air. So we, we're going to go to Sir Clive. Hello, Sir Clive. How are you? I'm uh, not too bad, Andrew. And how are you? Good. All right. All right. Now, uh, I know you're quite upset, Sir Clive. Um, there was an article written in the Chronicle. Uh, that's in, 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 in Guyana. And your reaction to that article, um, based on what was written, um, apparently you didn't say these things at all. Never said anything like that, Andrew. I, I find it so disrespectful that people can just do what they like, put your name to something, and say that you have said that. 
no, that is wrong. You know, I never said anything like that. And 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 the and the lawyers are taking it up again. See, these, I don't know what sort of reporters we have down here at all. I'm very disappointed um, uh, with with the with the reporter and the reporters. I think we. I spoke. A friend of mine spoke to the um, sports editor, the Chronicle, and he he was even uh, you know he's even he didn't even come back and and and, and explained any and explained anything really. So I am very disappointed because I never spoke to that reporter, never gave anything like that to any other reporter in the West. Mm-hmm. In fact, it so says. Very- in fact, it says Holder has outlived his usefulness in the position. Says Lloyd, and cricket legend Sir Clive Lloyd believes the man he installed as West Indies captain some six years ago has outlived his usefulness in the position. That's how the writer started, Sir Clive. Yeah. Well, I think I think that is totally wrong. It's really, uh, you know, disrespectful, as I as I said. And the point is, um, never said anything about Jason in, in that manner. He's a guy that Jason is a fellow that I'm the I am the person that you know promoted him as such as captain. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have the highest regard for him, and I will never go out to, to say anything like that. For anyone, mm-hmm. I'm not that sort of. Person. No, no, and, 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 no. In, in fact, Sir Clive, when I saw it, I I said that, that that's not the man you know at all. I was co- completely taken back by uh, by the headline. The holder has outlived his usefulness in the position, says Lloyd. Yeah, that's libelous. I I would say mm. there's no way I would say anything like that. Well, what do I have against Jason Holder? Not a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not one thing. I don't have. I don't hold any grudges to, uh, or anything like, against cr- cricketers or anybody for that matter. The point is, Jason um, didn't go to Bangladesh. Another captain was appointed. He did very well. And, they, and it's up to the board to, to do what they want to do. I have no say in things like that. It's, it's obvious that... Um, the, the guy surprised everybody with the way he handled the side. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. that, that, that's it. So mm-hmm. the point is he's still going to be there getting a better West Indies team. And I think that's what everybody would like. Mm-hmm. We are we are quite ecstatic when we won the, the, won the ODIs and the, you know, and the T20s. I think it was, it was a marvelous. And, and long may it live. Long may it continue. Mm-hmm. No, Sir Clive, um, so have you spoken to the reporter since? I no no a friend of mine um, spoke to the the editor, the editor mm-hmm. and he said to come back next day and he said the guy is not there oh, he dear. didn't know the guy wrote the article now what sort of sports editor know that you are you are accusing somebody of something and not and 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 and, and you don't know about the article mm. I, I find that very strange mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and I know you're you're very upset over it. And it's not the first time this happened because on this show, um, sometime last year, um, you were misquoted as well, Sir Clive. All right, and that went, and 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 I think that is still in court. Yes. Um, and I think it's still it's, the guy says that he spoke to me, my home in Manchester, and I don't live in Manchester. Oh dear. <laughs> That's where he messed up the first place. And mm. the, the point, you know, it, I I think it's so it's so wrong what these people doing what they. Um, they can do what they like, mm-hmm. and because I'm living 
somewhere 6,000 miles away. I probably wouldn't see it, you know. And um, so they can do as, as they like. And I, I find that very, very disturbing. Well, I, I know that uh, Dr. Ford has joined me and Philo Wallace as well. I don't know if Dr. Ford or Philo, you want to react to this. This is not good, good at all. Good evening to you, Doc, and Philo as well. Doc? Hi. Uh, good evening, Andrew, and to all the listeners, and Sir Clive and Philo. Uh, Sir Clive, this, as we've said, it's happened a few times, but do you think you engage with uh, journalists enough that they can write about your opinions, in, in this manner? And does it disturb you that maybe they don't reach out to you to to really get your opinion on, on cricketing matters? Well, the point is that I, I've got, I think I most of the journalists I respect and they, they know me. I don't know this guy. Um, and I think if they're making statements of that and they're, and they're not gathering, them, they should find out first who said it. Did you say it? Did you speak to anybody? Teddy hoarded somewhere. Well, you can't do that. That's not journal- journalism. And I think it's terrible that we have people in the West who can just say what they like about somebody and, you know, devil takes the hindmost. No, I'm not. I think that's libelous. And I want to, anytime something like that comes up, anybody should be able to, to, to you know, to, um, to go to the court. And get it sorted. Now, this is not very. This is not good at all. I, I have a great. What was the resolution of the last? Slide? Sorry. What What is the Sorry. outcome of the last time there was a difficulty like this? Well, that's. I think it's a. Andrew would know it's a couple of months ago mm-hmm. when this guy from Trinidad, Trinidad Guardian, yes. wrote something said that he spoke to me, and he never did. Oh dear. Because he said I was I was in uh, my home in Manchester and I don't live in Manchester. Mm. And there's only one Clive Lloyd and, and another David Lloyd. So <laughs> I, 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 one is black and one is white. I, I don't think he he got mixed up. <laughs> yeah. In answer to your, okay, in answer to your question, Doctor Ford, that 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 matters before the courts, and I do know that. Um, the noted uh, attorney, Ralph Thorne QC, is dealing with it. So that uh, is a matter that um, is before the courts. In fact, had Philo qualified, Philo might have gotten the job. Hello, Philo. What a way to bring you in. Good evening, <laughs> good evening Andrew. Good evening, <laughs> Dr. Ford. Uh, my, my good friend, Sir Clive, we had this discussion on Sunday morning. Yes. Uh, Sir Clive and I, when you see these big boys calling your phone, you know you've got to put away everything. And it shocked me, actually. When I read the story, yes. it shocked me because I said, that's not Sir Clive. Sir Clive? No way. And, and he called, and, and we went through it, and I, and I said, look, Sir Clive, you, you need to protect your reputation. Mm-hmm. You are a former West Indies captain. You're a former Guyanese cricketer captain. You're an icon within, within the, the, the eyes of the world in relation to cricket. And obviously, Jason Hall has been recommended when Sir Clive was uh, chairman of the selection panel. And he would have rec- made a recommendation on what he saw within Jason. And, we, and he, obviously, what he thought Jason could have done for West Indies cricket. Five years and a half on, maybe Jason didn't live up to the expectations. But knowing Sir Clive, who has managed me successfully, will not have said those things. And I think he's doing the right thing to protect his reputation. Mm-hmm. And journalists need to respect the former greats 
and anyone with opinions about certain issues when it relates to cricket or anything at all, you just cannot use people's names because of their greatness and say they say this and they say that. And so Clive, I really want to ask you, I hope that you're going full tilt with this. Mm-hmm. Don't spare any, don't leave any stone unturned because at the end of the day, examples need to be set of, about with these journalists who think that they can just use people's names behind stories and concoct stories and, and give you a bad, a bad impression and, and make you look bad in the eyes of the world, not even public now, in the world, because you're a world-renowned former great cricketer and captain. Well, the point is that I, I don't Are know you how Jason feels about this, or the Barbadian people feel, you know, feel mm-hmm. about it. The, so the point is, is that they're harming my reputation. Good. And I think, and, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's terrible that they should do something like that and it, it should just go um, unneeded. No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Clive, have you reached out to Jason Holder? Well, I left a message on his, his, um, uh, on his phone, mm-hmm. but he hasn't, he hasn't replied, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Um, oh. I, just, I just want to let him know what was the situation, the situation mm-hmm. but oh. I've never said those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, well, I hope, he I, think I hope he doesn't believe that story. Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> People might think, oh, but well, if it's come out like he must have said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doc, do any final words for Sir Clive? Because uh, I know that, um, but he's not going to employ for you because you are, um, you, he doesn't have a skin problem. Um, but um, I, know that, <laughs> I, I know that he's speaking to a, a, a very good attorney in, in, in uh, our good friend, Ralph Thorne to see, so that matter yeah. is going to be there. But yes, yes, Doc. Yeah, uh, well, Sir Clive, I know you, you're very constructive and you try to motivate and inspire the team as you did with your your last uh, letter that you wrote for the team in Bangladesh, and I urge you to keep doing that. But uh, sensationalism and negativity is something that I think. Uh, journalists as a whole may spend too much time on rather than mm. than being you know more objective about about their opinions and i think that's something a, le- a take-home lesson for us all mm. yeah, yeah well i guess that you know i mean they're damaging your your reputation i mean i'm 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 they think if they see i i've written or said something then they don't know it's got they think it's gospel right and the point is I, when I wrote that letter, I sat down right here, where mm-hmm. I am now, I wrote the letter, sent it off because I wanted to give them that list. Mm-hmm. Because nobody was giving them a chance of, of, of doing anything. And they did extremely well. And I was quite happy because I'm a West Indian. I might live in England. I haven't played for China or Singapore. I've played for the West Indies. It's given me my upward mobility. Mm-hmm. I'm known because of what I've done for the West Indies and for Lancashire. So I, I find it very strange that my country and a countryman could write something of that nature and, 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 just, and just, it just goes out and nobody says anything about it. I am, that is wrong. We have to be better, we are better than that. So Clive, what would you like to really say to Jason, your, your own mm-hmm. words, rather right. than the words mm-hmm. uh, concocted by, by a journalist? What, what would you like to say to him now, so that just in case he's listening, 
that that he would he would know your true thought. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason would know that I I am the person that I have the highest regard for this young man. Mm-hmm. I spoke to him when he was about seventeen, when he was going into the the, the academy. Before he asked to speak to me, right? He asked the expert to speak to me. He said, "This young man is," and we spoke for about an hour and a bit. And we went through all sorts, and I was impressed. And I'm saying, this must be our leader. This is a guy that that could lead us. Mm-hmm. And I still think that he has a great part to play in our cricket. This this fella is all the credentials to be a top class cricketer. And I hope that he stays with us for as long as possible and continue his career. You know. Um, and I hope it doesn't damage uh, our relations mm-hmm. because I I still think I have the, the I have the greatest respect for him. And the point is, you know, somebody else's captain. You just go again and do your stuff. You know what I mean? This is not the end of the world, you know. And I hope that um, he understands where where I'm coming from. And I and I wish him the team. All the best because we are now on a winning, winning run. And when was the last time we, we we had this sort of um, uh, success? So we want to, to get together, work together for the betterment of our cricket. And uh, we w- I want to see our cricket uh, get to the to, to the top again. And now we have competition for places. Guys now know that they can't be complacent, and that. Our cricket must get better. Um, we're now joined by another legend, Derek Murray, who is Trinidadian, as you know, but he's now uh, living in Jamaica. So what a combination, uh, Sir Clive Lloyd and, of course, um, Derek Murray. Um, and Derek, hello, good evening to you. How are you? Good evening to you and, and all your listeners, viewers. Uh, Andrew, mm-hmm. and just allow me to indulge in saying a, a very special hello to Clive. Um, <laughs> always special, and I'm always following him, so um, it, it's good to be on the show with him. Right. All right. Now, your reaction to the West Indies' impressive performances, I mean, you, um, you had a situation where they won the T20s to one, and then the ODI is a clean sweep. Your reaction? Very, very good. Um, you, you couldn't ask for more uh, from from the team, the performances, and, and that's a really good result to have taking that momentum into the test series now. And we seem to have uh, two or three series following uh, close after, so I think um, West Indies cricket is, is moving into a good place. Uh, so hopefully... Um, we will also see, and this is another story, the, um, some improvements in the administration and governance, and then, you know, you can really feel comfortable that West Indies cricket is, is doing somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get a reaction from uh, Sir Clive and, of course, um, Philo Wallace, uh, the Test Series starts uh, this coming weekend uh, with this kind of performance in the T20s and the ODIs. I would imagine the West Indies will be very confident going into the test matches, uh, Derek. Well, they should be, and and also remember that um, the last two test matches we played away from home, 
uh, we were victorious uh, against the odds. So, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Phil Simmons, the coach, uh, Craig Braffitt, the captain, have found a formula that worked um, for two test matches uh, in Bangladesh. And uh, as I say, on the back of the momentum of the uh, T20s and ODIs recently, uh, I, I would think that they would be really looking forward to, to this test series now against what could well be a depleted Sri Lanka team as well. Philo, mm-hmm. uh, your reaction to the good performances coming from the West Indies? Andrew, um, it's been a very good, very good performances, I must admit, from the team concept. Uh, some individuals obviously put their hands up and, you know, the guys who scored hundreds and were consistent. Shea Hope was the outstanding batsman in that ODI series. Uh, Bravo came good in, uh, in the last game and Evan Lewis showed some consistency. So there is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, one of the, the, the things we can also look at is that there's an improvement in the running between the wickets and so on, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I still think that for Pollard, I would like him to have a settled position in our backing unit mm-hmm. rather than juggling up and down. I think as captain, you need to be central and in the batting. And I think he should also look to bowl a bit more, uh, Pollard. I don't think he should underrate his bowling. He might bowl some innocuous deliveries, but I think he can he, he can get wickets. But all in all, it looks good. I think we still need that that third seamer. <laughs> we saw that they brought in Addison Phillip for the last uh, ODI, uh, which which surprised which surprised me. I thought they would have given Kyle Mears a little run, seeing that he's in the Test squad. But uh, obviously, the, the firepower is needed. But we're still looking for that the, the right combination between our bowlers. To, to obviously look to, to to make impact when we have to, particularly in the middle overs. Jason Mohammed was our leading slow ball, was our leading wicket taker for six wickets, which was a, a bit of an unknown. But what he bowled obviously was effective enough to get those wickets. So there's still some areas, but all in all, you can see the team looking to looking to do well because they won cricket matches, they won some of those one day games with their with their backs against the wall, particularly. Nicholas Puran coming in that back end and scoring those runs. Mm-hmm. So those, it's a, those are good signs to show calmness. And they obviously won it convincingly in the end. So it's something that they can move forward with now. And down the road, they have Australia coming and South Africa as well. Two, two harder sides. Mm-hmm. And they need that kind of... And, well, Pakistan as well. Yes, good player. Good player for you. So they have three good international teams coming to the region which is going to obviously set us up well to where we really are in relation to ODI cricket. And I wish them all the very best moving forward. Mm. So, Clive? Yeah, I think it was a wonderful performance. It's not all, we had 300 in the, in the one there. So, and I, and I believe it is because of the way our players played in Bangladesh. When the chips were down, they got down, they put their heads down and batted intelligently and won. So it, it, it galvanized those other guys to do the same. We had 274, 270 yards, and, you know, we, we looked good. We batted well. The chips were a little, you know, again in that last one day, um, the T20, but we won through because we're getting that feeling, we're getting that professional attitude back. And that, I, I think, is because of the guys winning in Bangladesh, it gave them a bit of a lift. They said, no, we can't do this. We have to perform well. And they did. In all aspects, our fielding, um, 
times could be a little, uh, um, you know, uh, raggedy. But the point is, is that everything else has, has fallen in place. And I, I, I think Phil is right there. I think the captain needs to get back in a settled position where he can come in and dominate. He's one of those guys that just like, like Chris Gale, he can hit the ball, you know, on uh, off the back quite well. So he's got to be the in there to sort of to change the situation. And um, yes, I think we look good, and I I think we're gonna we should do well in this test match and the test matches. Mm-hmm. That test matches that matches that are coming up. And not only that, it gives us a chance to do well against the bigger, the right. stronger teams mm-hmm. coming through mm-hmm. because it it will we have to start beating the bigger teams. Mm-hmm. And that that would give the youngsters that that impetus that is needed mm-hmm. to take them forward. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to spend a, a couple of minutes with, with with Derek. I know he's a very busy man. He says he's just got 15 minutes. So, Jeremy, let's let, let's spend a couple of minutes with him before he goes off. Uh, D- Derek, the uh, squad has been named: Craig Brathwaite, Jermaine Blackwood, Brathwaite the captain, Jermaine Blackwood the vice captain, Bonner, uh, Darren Bravo's in the side, John Campbell. Ryan Cornwall, the Silver, uh, Josh the Silver, Shannon Gabriel, Jason Hold, Alzari Joseph, Kyle Mears, Kemal Roach, and Jamal Warkin. Your reaction to the uh, squad that was selected? Uh, was that predictable, uh, Derek? Very good squad, yes. And, and I am pleased that um, they, they kept the, the players from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, together as the, the new players of that team. I think Clyde made a very important point that uh, the momentum that came out of, of Bangladesh has sent some real messages to the West Indies cricket team. There's nobody in the team who can feel complacent that they have a place in the team regardless. You know, there are going to be competition for places. That, that's really important. And the attitude that, you know, people went there, were being written off, etc. They turned it around and they have competed. And that message went to all the players. You could see the difference in the, certainly in the one-day games against Sri Lanka here. Everybody knew they had a role to play, a responsibility, and they had to play that role. And you could see the whole team being different. If we win a couple more games going forward, winning is going to be a habit that we regain and we understand how to win. And that is so important for, for Simmons and, and Rafael to keep that momentum going and going into the next set of one days, T20s, white ball, red ball, whatever we're going to play. The captains have to continue with that kind of assertive, aggressive, um, confident uh, formula that, that carries us to, to being able to win. And, and I think it, it, it's really good to have that competition. In terms of the, the test match squad, my own preference would have been to have seen um, not just the team announced for the first test, but they could have announced 14 players for the two test matches. I would have loved to have seen Sheho back into that group of players he feels that he now can uh, come back and, and you know look to cement a place in, in the test team because I think he's, he's one of our top class players and 
you know, I think we need to let the listen. We've got some really good, every opportunity we get in this team, we've got to make it good. Otherwise, there's somebody breathing down our neck uh, to, to get a place. And everybody wants to play for winning teams. So I can't see how important it is for us to try and keep that winning team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc and East, any questions for uh, our good friend? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, up? I should have also said hello to Pelo and Doc. I, I very good at the start of the day. <laughs> you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Uh, Leave it, Derek. <laughs> I hope you're fine. Well. It's okay. It's, it's all an excitement. Let's just do winning. Derek, we've had we've had our euphoric uh, moments. We've beaten England at home. We've won Test matches in England on on two different tours, um, how do we really measure and assess the trajectory that we want our team to be on in order to be competitive in the upper echelons of test cricket? Uh, now that we've played Bangladesh and now we're playing Sri Lanka, two teams that are in the lower echelons with us right now. Um, when the stronger teams come later on, do we support or do we bash and Ask to chop off heads and that sort of thing if things don't go well. Uh, should do you think we should support and and try to nurture and and allow the team to develop, knowing that the stronger teams can cause uh, results that we may not be this euphoric about? Certainly, uh, I think we are we are at a stage where West Indies cricket let let's face facts uh, is at the uh, bottom of the ranking. And we have taken the opportunity to beat teams uh, on an equal footing with us or just above us. But what we saw in the one days against uh, Sri Lanka were people playing to their responsibilities within the team. There is a beautiful catchphrase, and I use the term beautiful um, facetiously. The players are there to showcase themselves. Showcase yourself for what? You are playing for the West Indies team. That is what you are there to do. You know, forget who is watching, who has a checkbook open over. You are playing for the West Indies. That's your sole job, your sole aim to meld with that team and, and do it. So you're doing that. And we saw that in areas of the one-day games where people were called on to bowl at different times, people come in to bowl at the death, etc. So, you know, you, people were moving out of their comfort zone and doing what the team needed. That's also needed in the test arena. Yes, between going from, from number nine uh, to number one, there are going to be obstacles and hiccups on the way up. We're not going to beat everybody as, as we go along, but it's being able to win in tight situations. Forget whether it was Bangladesh or Sri Lanka. In tight situations, we came out of it winning. The players are going to start believing they can win. So when they meet England, Australia, India, New Zealand. It's not going to be we trying to, to do something as a one-off and, and we could win and then go back to losing. But let's get into a tight situation. Let's get to a place where we have a chance to win. And you're going to start winning more than you're losing. You know, and 
you know, so we need to, to get into that frame of mind and be able to play and compete with anybody at any time. We may not be number one at the end of, of 2021, but if we continue like this, we could be halfway up the table by the end of 2021. Mm. Um, Derek, just, just before you go, we, we're joined by, by uh, yes, indeed, a, 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 a man that you know very well, Jason Mohammed. And I'm sure you want to say hello to him. And we also are going to be talking very soon to Calvin Open and Nan Sanasi. But uh, fellow countryman Jason Mohammed, uh, 24 overs um, in the three matches. He picked up the most wicket six. Um, so I'm sure you want to say hello to Jason, um, who's joined us on Zoom. Yes, hello and, and, and well played, Jason. Um, I, I didn't know you were a top line bowler as well, as, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> Jason, you want to say hello to the legend? Turn your mic on. Turn your mic on. We can't hear you. Turn your mic on, Jason. All right. Jason? Are you... uh, good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. Y- yes. Uh, yeah, Jason. Uh, did you hear Derek? Congratulating you? Yes, yes. I... Yes, I heard him. Thanks a lot, Mr. Derek. Uh, Mr. Derek, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I didn't know that you were Mr. Derek, but that, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, well Derek, we, we, we want to thank you for coming through and talking to us. It's always a pleasure. Uh, to hear from you, and we hope to uh, link with you again when the West Indies sweep the Sri Lankans and win both test matches. Good evening to you, Derek. Yeah, and and Derek, can you give your, Thank you. Derek, can you give your uh, Maureen my regards, please? We'll do it. I'm to you soon. Take All right, care. good, wonderful indeed. Thank you. All right. right, okay, but Sakai, before you go, um, just one thing before you go, Sakai. The test series starts, of course. Ooh, uh, who, who have we lost? We've lost Derek. Do we still have Sir Clive or we've lost both of them? Okay, we lost both of them. Let's uh, maybe try to get back Sir Clive and, and end quite nicely. Um, but at the moment, it, it's our pleasure on this and guests with the elections coming up very soon. Stay with us, Jason. We're going to uh, certainly um, get you in there as well. Um, Anand Sanasi has joined us from Guyana, Georgetown. I know there's been uh, lots of rain there. Uh, in, in, in Guyana. Maybe it uh, was out to, in his, uh, all of his glory in terms of the sunshine today. Uh, but uh, we are joined by him and along with Calvin Hope. Anand Sanasi is the Secretary of the Guyana Cricket Board and our Director of Cricket West Indies. And as we know, uh, Calvin Hope is the Vice President of the Barbers Cricket Association and a Director of Cricket West Indies. They're challenging uh, uh, in terms of the presidency uh, we have, of course, uh, our very good friend uh, in, the, in the job, Ricky Skerritt. The elections are due on the 28th, the 28th, and we thought it important on Mason, I guess, like we did two years ago, to have those who are competing to uh, give their statement. So let's say hello to our good friend, Mr. Sanasi. How are you, Mr. Sanasi? Hi, I'm, I'm okay, Andrew. I'm staying to you and fine. Good. And, of course, Calvin Hope. Uh, I look at it as if he's still in his office there, Calvin. Uh, have a big legal matter. <laughs> How are you? Good Calvin? evening. Good evening to you, Andrew, and your 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 panel, your guests, and uh, your listeners. Right. Okay. All right. Let's start with you, uh, Mr. Zanasi. Why do you want to become president of Cricket West Indies? Well, Andrew, um, I've been the director of Cricket West Indies for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said before 
that I've seen through three administrations, where well, one is current. I've been at the Guyana Credit Board as its secretary um, for 10 years. Um, before that, for over 20 years, I've been in cricket administration in Guyana at various positions. Um, I'm also uh, CEO of the franchise, um, and I dare say um, my record, the most successful one in the region, at least at the four-day level. And I think um, it is time that uh, I give my brand um, to Cricket West Indies. I think that from the business side of things, I can make a lot of contribution. I know enough about the cricket already. I serve in a lot of the uh, positions. And most recently, uh, what may have um, pushed me to um, do it now is that I do not think that we're going in the right direction at least um, for the model we're using. Um, recently, we've had some successes on the field of play, but a few things may have contributed to that. I think I can bring um, a lot to Cricket West Indies. I can turn it around for the better and bring us back, back the glory days. And I have a good um, running mate in, in Calvin who's been around the cricket for over 30 years and has been part of um, a territorial board that has, has, has been successful as well. Mm-hmm. You, you say that we're going in the wrong direction. Can you can you tell us exactly what you mean by that, uh, Anand? Well, I, I would I would go back about two two and a half years and and um, start from there. Uh, when the new administration took over, I do not think the shock created in the organization with the wanton firing, the the decisions made um, in the finance department. Um, we can probably at some time get into the details of that. A simple thing is that we created our uh, cash crunch by not making, um, you know, um, sensible business decisions as far as our finances are concerned. Uh, the, time, the kind of disunity that we created in the region, the disrespect for the territorial boards who are the shareholders in this company. And I can go on to list a few others. Mm. Mm. Do you want to? Um, we might be going a long time if I if I have to go into it. You know, um, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> Andrew, the the thing is here is that as I said, I worked through three administrations um, in 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 the period, um, and and I as I said, everyone have their own their own unique way of doing things. Um, but the last the last two years has not done anything to create um, mm-hmm. unity, has not done much to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to create confidence. And uh, we, we're just not heading in the right direction. We may talk of COVID and so on, yes, to some extent that might have created some issues, but in my mind, um, it may have rescued us from some embarrassment. And I'm not taken away from recent performances. Um, I, the performances in Bangladesh is by, as I said on one show, I think by default we tend to have gotten some things right because the performers that did so well at, at the, the regional um, tournament um, were, were allowed a chance to participate. Um, our recent performance, taking nothing away from the guys, they have done extremely well and win or lose. I'm a back of West Indies cricket. I watch it all the time. I, I miss sleep on it. And um, we, 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 we're in a, in a position where when we get to come up against formidable um, um, teams, teams of 
of, of more um, higher ranking and so on. And we were lucky this time around that there were no T20 um, leagues around the world that we were playing at home. And uh, to some extent, the Sri Lanka team wasn't at, at their best. But do not take away. It was an excellent performance. I think Pollard lead well from the front and uh, the youngsters did perform. Um, however, the two years, the last two years, has been two years that, in my mind, we have moved backwards. And it started a bit in the last term of Mr. Cameron. Um, a lot of decisions. Let me, let me just tell you something. We took a decision back about 30 months back, um, like two and a half years or so, um, that we need to provide additional funding. That did not happen, you know. That happened a month, month and a half ago. I, I guess it happened because I entered the race. Mm-hmm. Um, someone paying attention. Um, even if we are achieving these things by putting up challenges and so on, we are, we're already making a difference, right? So at some point in time, I can get into the details mm-hmm. of what I thought went wrong, but those are just some of the things. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Andrew, if I may here, if I could come in. Yeah, sure. Sh- sh- sure, Phil. Uh, Mr. Sinashi, good evening to you. Good evening to Calvin. Good evening. Uh, good evening. So that two brave men have decided that they're going to run. I think that uh, it is important that uh, Mr. Skerritt and Dr. Shallow do have opposition. Uh, no one is cementing in that, in that post. You said that they're heading in the wrong direction. I want to know what is your direction? the pit west in this cricket in the right direction? Well, basically, I think that the production line for cricketers lies within the territories. We have, at least for the past three years, we have seen complete demolition of the grassroots structure that was put in place from way back of Dr. Julian Hunstein. Um, for whatever reason, the kiddies cricket is going. For whatever reason, the, the production line, the farm that produce, that bring these things out, has not been paid attention to. Um, we need to have a strong, structured academy system throughout the region. I think there's, to some extent, that exists in Barbados and to some extent in Guyana. Um, those things have to be grown. Right, they, the the cricketers when as we produce them, and I did mention something about uh, women um, cricket cricketers. We were going very well in in in, in um, producing our women cricketers. In fact, if I'm correct, we were one one of the um, forceful members to fully um, contract our ladies and so on and put them in that comfortable position, financial position, so that they could concentrate on their cricket. I just do not think that from the business side, I'm not seeing any growth in revenue stream, new revenue stream that is. Um, I can tell you that most recently I am worried about what we're doing with broadcast and, and so on. I don't, I don't see us earning more than we earned in the last cycle, especially since we are now going to have to pay production costs, right? Um, so where we're going is definitely not where we want to be, but I have some proposals that can grow our revenue stream. It all comes down to where the money is coming from. I, I intend to relook at the, 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 the revenue distribution from the ICC level to see where more can be earned. I, I, I don't know that um, that will happen very quickly because you need to convince 
those um those big three at the top. So there, there's a lot that we have to do to try to bring money, try to bring more so that in the territories we can start proper developmental, structured developmental process for our cricket. All right, what, what we're going to do, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, of course, Fazir Mohammed, the noted journalist, has joined us. I'm sure he's made some notes. We also want to hear from Calvin Hope, and we, of course, want to hear from Dr. Andrew Ford, who um, has also made some notes as well. Mason and Guest is brought to Yes, indeed, we are listening to Mason and Guest pausing for a cause. The candidate that is opposing. Ricky Skerritt and Mr. Shallow uh, on Calvin Hope and Anand Sanasi. They are speaking right now, and we just hope that our listeners can be with us and hold on until they come back from the commercial break. Then we'll hear what they have to say. So, those of you who don't know, um, Anand Sanasi out of Guyana is challenging Ricky Skerritt to be the president and Calvin Hope is challenging Dr. Shallow to be the next vice president. The election is scheduled for 28th of this month. Let's go back to the There might just be different ways of getting there. But, but when it comes down to brass tacks, it's about winning elections. Mr. Sanasi or Mr. Hope, uh, I don't know which one of you might have answered this question already. But at, uh, at this point, I see you having four votes two from Guyana, two from Barbados. Um, you have to get a, a, at least a, another two uh, to, to be in the reckoning to unseat uh, the incumbent. And again, forgive me if I'm asking a question that you've already answered. Do you think that you're going to get uh, two or three more votes that could, could swing the day, Mr. Sanasi? Yeah, well, you did direct the question to me. Um, you asked <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the lead. Yes. No um, if I didn't think so far, there. Um, I would not have been in the race. Um, a lot of thoughts went into um, this. Um, I could have easily satisfied myself in continuing to, to do what I've been doing in Guyana. But I, I, I told one interviewer that I, I've been sitting at Cricket West Indies for 10 years. Um, and you see these cycles going around and around, and you see the same mistake being made over and over again. And if at some point you don't take a stand and say, well, listen, um, I need to create a change here, or, or I, I'm surely a part of the problem. Um, yes, I think that myself and Calvin can get enough votes to win this election, if that answers your question. Yeah, yes, it does. Would you would you venture to say where you expect them to come from? Because uh, no. the, the big one, the Leewards, have already uh, given their word uh, to the incumbents, which may not mean a lot, because I think the last time um, Dave Cameron was convinced that he had six votes and it turned out that he had four. Well, uh, you surely answered the question yourself. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know that we can decide that at this point in time who's a winner or who's a loser. I did write to each of the boards. Each That's not Barbados or Guyana because I think Calvin will address his board and I have already addressed mine um, before going into the race. So what I, I uh, intend to do, and they are aware of most of the plans. In fact, my board did assist me in some way to come up with some ideas for the manifesto. So I would have spoken to them. I wrote to the four other boards. Um, I received responses from three. 
confirmation from one so far. So um, I am sure that by the end of the week, early next week, I would have addressed them. Um, but I think that, you know, when I put my ideas and my plans to them and their full board, I hope that I can convince enough of them to see it my way. And if I could pose one question to Mr. Hope as well, Mr. Hope, I heard a bit of your interview uh, on Sportsmax yesterday, you know, talking about your, your involvement uh, in, in the game for quite some time, some 23 years uh, at, at the BCA level. You can correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But in the same way that Mr. Sanasi talked about, if you don't stand up for something different, you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Would you identify yourself as part of the solution or part of the problem? Well, part of the solution. That's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm running. So, um, you you may have seen our, our uh, manifesto, and it presents a, a package, a suite of ideas to move our cricket forward. Um, and I'm told by many people who have been involved in cricket, journalists and cricket enthusiasts, that this is the first time that they have seen such a comprehensive plan put forward by anybody running for um, leadership in Cricket West Indies. The presentation and the content, magnificent. That, those are the words that, that I, am, I am hearing. And our approach is a global approach and, and not to deal with a brand and not just a cricket team. Because there are many products within this cricket brand. There's a, there's a lead team, there's a women's team, there's an under-19 team. It also, you have there's, there's different formats. And I have found that over the years, there's been no strategic planning approach to the individual team. And there's been no involvement, critical involvement of the expertise that is available to us in our cricket. Um, you may find that some of our successful legends may get a job as a, as a coach or as a selector. But when it comes to the real planning, the mechanics and re-engineering for success, that has been non-existent over the years. So you will find that a player will have to go and seek out to Gary or uh, he fails. There is, no, there is nothing in place. So, what we want to do is to build the infrastructure from the ground up and dealing with the engagement of our, our, our lead teams that engage internationally, right? That they have the necessary support to make them the best that they can be and to give players confidence. There is no way that we will preside over a system where players have questions about fitness, a fitness regime. Or that you make a, a promise to players that if they don't go on a tour because of COVID, nothing will happen to them. And then that is something different. You don't hold yourself out to do those things and then don't have a plan of how you would address them. So we will heard a lot of words, but really the plans are not there with the words. So what my thing is, being involved here, I have been involved for the last couple of years, the last four years as a director. And what I have seen 
like Mr. Sanasi, it's not going in the right direction. I have raised a lot of issues. For instance, I have asked for a, a debrief. For two years, I asked for a debrief from the World Cup back to when we were playing India down here. Let's have a serious debrief of what is going on with this team. Because it is not enough for just to have a manager's report and just to have a director of cricket um, operations report, right? And you don't get the real nuts of it because a fellow will write a report in all honesty of in his own thinking, but there is, crit there is critical information that you need as a board to make forward thinking decisions. And I, I hear you on that. If you allow me, if you allow me, so let's ask one more question because I yes. know uh, some of the other uh, members wish to ask far more pertinent questions than, than I would. But uh, talking about structure and the structure of the game at West Indies level, Mr. Hope, do you therefore endorse the Donald Weeby report that talks about the fundamental restructuring of the administration of Cricket West Indies? Cricket, cricket, West Indies. The problem in West Indies cricket is a cricket is a cricket one. It is not a governance one. But I recognize, and everybody recognizes that we can do better with your governance report. I mean, for instance, I can see how overall I would say that I support ref governance reform. But I couldn't, could I don't know how someone could support a recommendation for the current leadership to have another year without elections. That's one of the that's one of the object one of the recommendations for mm -hmm. the incumbent to just write another year without elections. That's what they were pushing. Oh so I am saying that reform, we must look at that, but the reform must respect the shareholders because the it's a company owned by six shareholders who have invested their money, who have built this company. And so, so if I read I you correctly, Mr. If I read you correctly, Mr. Hope, you're saying you don't endorse the WB report. No, no, I'm not saying that. I am saying that there has been fault, it, it is faulty in its research because it, it's the shareholders, the report has been done and the shareholders were never, never consulted. The board has not even deliberated on the same report. The report has not been tabled at the board. So why, why, why these things? I am saying that we could arrive at, at reform, but I think the method has been wrong. So if I understand you correctly, you are neither uh, agreeing nor disagreeing because you, you haven't been able to study the, the Weaver report, is that correct? No, what I what I what I'm saying, the Weavy report as it is now needs a peer review. That is my view. A peer review. Mm -hmm. Okay, gentlemen, just just hold your thoughts there, um, and your horses as well. Um, and we're just gonna break away for just about five minutes or so. This is interesting. Um, Mr. Sanasi, uh, lots of people are listening in Guyana, they've got some questions for you, they want to know um, basically what have you done for cricket in Guyana in terms of women's cricket. And uh, um, there are a couple of other reports coming through as well. In fact, someone wants to know about the, the Ghana elections. We're going to get to all of that because this, of course, is a very important uh, program. Good to have you on the show and continue to send your WhatsApp messages. Um, you are certainly being heard in Ghana as well. But just, just break away for five minutes. I know that Jason Mohammed, uh, who consented to come on the show, has joined us. 
We're going to spend the next five minutes or so with him because he's got a very important meeting. Jason, um, just congratulations on your performance. You picked up some six wickets. You bowled pretty well. How was that journey for you in terms of uh, your cricket in the ODIs? Uh, good night, everyone. Um, yeah, obviously, it was a good series for me uh, with the ball. Um, we didn't expect to, to pick up six wickets and being a leading wicket taker, but um, I think things went well for me in the series, and you know, I really enjoyed um, you know, what I did in the ODI series. How, how did you find the bowling conditions? How were the bowling conditions? Um, it, wasn't, it was a bit difficult but for the spinners, as you can see. There wasn't much spin. Um, on a silver wicket, um, but you know, once you put the balls in the right areas um, and created some pressure, you know, you tend to get wickets at times. So I think it was a decent wicket, but not much spin at all. Mm. Seems as if the spinner started. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yes, Fazer, you're saying? Sorry, yeah. No, 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 Fazer, you come in. No, no, continue, Fazer. Uh, Jason, congratulations on the success at a personal and uh, at a team level, of course. But the, your, your role as, as a as it turned out, a frontline spinner. Was that part of the plan going into the one day, or did it just did it work out when you actually got the opportunity that you and the captain and would have recognized, well, here's a significant role for you to play in these one days? No, I, I don't think it was a, a plan for me to be a frontline spinner um, from the beginning. Um, obviously, Paul I would have mentioned to me, you know, I would have bowled about uh, five overs, you know, uh, per game, um, but I think um, as it went along, it, it just went well and went my way. And the reason why I think I bowled a lot more uh, picking up wickets and being economical at the same time. Looking forward to doing a lot more bowling in ODI? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, I love to know. Obviously, it's, it's added a lot to my game. There's not much of an opportunity to pass in this series. So I think if I can add this to my game, it will all go well for me in, um, in the ODI team. So I'm looking forward to bowling some more. And what about the test prospects? Continue to, to, to aspire, of course, even, even at, at the age of 30 plus. Uh, what do you think of your, of your chances at this stage of your career as far as playing test cricket for the West? Um, it's, it's always been my, my number one uh, format to wanting to play test cricket. I still have the desire to do so. Um, as I said, the last time I was on this show, you know, I've done pretty well if you look at the stats in terms of 40 cricket. So um, something, you know, I will still be working on and trying to push very hard to get to that test team. Hopefully the, the first class season come off and um, hopefully I can have another good uh, series and put in a couple, you know, centuries there as well. And, you know, hopefully I can I can be rewarded or be selected uh, someday soon for the test team. As you said, congrats, obviously, uh, for, first of all, for Red Force winning the Super 50 where you had a lot of success there with the bat. And obviously with the, the ODI squad, you had, some, you had some success with the ball, but not with the bat. What is the difference? Mm. My success at the, at, at the Super 50 regional tournament, and very little success at the international level in the mm. three ODIs against mm. Sri Lanka. What's the difference? Um, obviously, as I said before, I didn't have much of an opportunity. The first game I had a chance to bat, I came out not out. And um, in the last, ODI, I had an opportunity, but I didn't get much. Um, so you can really say it's just one game that you know I didn't do well. So I think it's tough to kind of um, say that you know it, it it went well in Super 50 for me as a batter, not in the ODI series. Um, 
obviously I'd have loved to get a, a bit more batting um, because I think I'm in pretty good nick coming off that Super 50. But I think uh, um, Evan and Shady, they were excellent in the series. And the reason why, you know, I didn't have much of an opportunity to, to bat in that series. Okay, you led the team in Bangladesh. Not a lot of success, but you've now fallen in line with the success of, of a Pollard. Is there, is there anything you would have, would have learned coming mm -hmm. out of Bangladesh from obviously being under the leadership of, of Pollard? Not at the regional level. I'm talking at the international level now. If you do anything different, if you were given the captaincy again. Um, obviously, I don't think it's, it's much different I could have done in Bangladesh. Maybe tweak yeah. one or two things, but um, I mean, Pollard is obviously a very strong leader, and I think he's his demands of the players. I think it's it's something that is that is carrying the team a lot now. Um, obviously, he's a very strong leader, and he backs that up on the field. And in terms of with his own performance and what he has done in the last couple of years, so. I think that's a, that's a very stronghold that Pollard holds within, you know, his success as, and being as a leader. He, he demands certain things, and uh, at the end of the day, he's a very strong leader. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I want to thank you, Jason, for coming through. Um, I don't know if, Doctor, you got a question before, before he goes, uh, Doc? Yeah, certainly, Jason. As a player who's been around for as long as you've been around in regional cricket, have you been able to feel the differences in you know, the various administrations at CWI as a player, have you have you benefited from one versus the other or have it have has anything changed for you as a player that you could feel? Mm. <laughs> that, that's a tough question. That's a tough <laughs> one. Uh, but I'm in saying that what I can say obviously you now that we have been contracted for the last couple of years and um I think that's a, that's a big help for our first-class players, because now, as you can see, there's no cricket, and we're not sure what is happening with the 40 tournament. So, at least the guys still have a, a, a salary coming at the end of the month. So I think, in terms of that, it's a great job that whoever got that on board. But I think that question is, is a difficult one for me to answer. Yeah. What was it like before when you didn't have that salary and you just, you know, had to? to work for a living and try to play cricket versus having a constant salary now? Yeah, it's a huge difference. Um, you know, even for myself, or most of the guys who played the, the both formats in terms of 50 over and 40 cricket, you know, when that was over, you had to find a job to sustain your family and, and, and living-wise. Um, with this now, it's obviously a lot easier. We have, you know, when there is no cricket, you just train like your various country team and but at least at the end of the day, you have something decent coming that you can take care of yourself and your family. So it's a huge difference, and I hope that it's something that will uh, continue for a long time, you know, for the young guys and coming through the ranks. There was a lot of rancor at the time with, with the the top 16 players not feeling a bit aggrieved of having to, to give away a share of the pie to accommodate uh, the lesser accomplished uh, players of which you were part. Um, did you have any discussions with any of them at the time to to uh, put to your side and the side of, of players who had to find jobs uh, outside of the cricket season? Yeah, I think in, in the last couple of years, that, that has changed a lot. I think we haven't had an issue, as you said before, with guys giving a piece of their pie. I think uh, they all understood that they, they had a team and they had their time at the regional level only, and it's something that 
you know, it's very important for the younger guys and all of us coming through as well. At the end of the day, we we all have bills to pay and we all have family to take care of. So I think in, in terms of that, I think everyone is on board with it and it's, it's pretty happy, as you said, to give that little piece of papaya up to, to make the other guys in the Caribbean happy. So it's something very uh, pleasing to, to see. Thanks. Jason, we want to thank you for coming through and, and talking to us. It certainly is a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Continue your success. Bowling quite well. 24 overs, picking up six wickets, best of three for 47. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Again. All right. So there you have it, uh, Jason Mohammed, who did so yeah. very well in terms of the bowling. Uh, but it's uncomplicated off We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Anand Sanasi and Calvin Hope. Uh, the candidates, of course, looking to unseat Mr. Ricky Skerritt. That election scheduled for March the 28th. Lots of reaction on the WhatsApp. And we also want to open the lines as well. Yes. So let's make the Mason gets. We have two super candidates on speaking about they want to become president and vice president of West Indies Cricket Board. Want you to join the show and make sure that you listen to every word that they have said. You may not be the one to decide, but of course, every bit of information is important. And we hope that you will hear from the other side as well. Let's see. Sanasi. Sanasi uh, has not held elections in Guyana for the last 10 years and talking about making things better. And the WhatsApp wants to know, Mr. Sanasi, why there was no election held recently. I, thanks for that, um, Andrew. Uh, first of all, um, you know, throughout the region, I, I keep hearing this thing about not having elections. Um, are you aware the Demerara Cricket Board and the Guyana Cricket Board had elections in January of 2020? Now, the, for us to fully understand the situation in Guyana, it goes way back probably before um, 2010. Um, there was always infighting going on um, with factions in the cricket, and it had to do a lot with, not only with the cricket politics, but at the national level of the politics. We would all know, you know, um, these things, you see them, different sides reporting it differently in the newspaper. But here's what I can tell you. The Cricket Act was enacted in 2014. Those parliamentary sessions and so on to discuss that began probably a year or two before. What happened is an attorney, a certain attorney, who is now the Attorney General, um, was attorney for one of the factions. Um, after that faction didn't get its way, the matter ended up to having uh, a solution, a parliamentary solution. Um, this was not taken well by the Guyana Cricket Board and, and two of its affiliates. And so those, those proposed legislation and then when it became legislation were challenged. So on and off, the act was either enforced or not enforced. The Guyana Cricket Board always found itself in a position, do we go by the act 
because the constitution in the act for the Guyana Cricket Board and the Demerara Cricket Board was different from what actually existed pre-legislations. So you would have, for example, in January 2020, the act was suspended. So both the Demerara Cricket Board and the Guyana Cricket Board had elections and both were challenged. And those challenges are still outstanding in the courts. In fact, the chairman selector of Crooked West Indies, Mr. Raja Harper, uh, features prominently in a lot of these litigations. Um, for those that he's not featured in as, um, as an applicant, he has entered as an interested party. Uh, so when you get down to analyzing what is going on in Guyana, it's more deep-rooted than a few people saying, well, you did not have elections. I did refer to something that came back sometime in 2010. The Borbis Crooked Board, which kept pushing that line, um, actually attended a meeting and presented motions at the meeting and then tried to leave thereafter to make the meeting incorrect. So there was a lot of back and forth and back and forth. Um, during the last uh, administration, that's nationally, the last government, um, there was a little lull um, because the act was by consent suspended. Um, immediately after the new administration came in, uh, that was challenged in the court. Um, there was no representation on the, on the part of the GCB because what was being challenged was the 2018 elections of the Guyana Board. There was already an election in 2020. So we felt that if someone wanted to move ahead with the act, we prepared to go ahead. I would also let you know this. During the Hunt administration, during the Cameron's administration, a lot of efforts were made. CARICOM was involved and so on in getting a resolution to the issue. It was never the Guyana Cricket Board that walked away from this issue. But let us fast forward to the past two years. The current incumbent, where Mrs. Kerritt was elected to office, one of his first actions was to travel to Guyana. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never said this before, but he met with the Prime Minister of Guyana, and he was actually trying to sideline the, the, the Guyana Cricket Board that existed and was functioning and try to bring officers of Cricket West Indies to run the India tour. Obviously, that was not accepted. That same day, Mrs. Kerritt, the CEO and uh, official of Cricket West Indies, a staff, met with the Guyana Cricket Board. They had met with other factions, whoever they met with. And the proposal was actually to give up our rights to host. In fact, immediately thereafter, Mrs. Kerritt moved the under-19 tournament from Guyana to St. Vincent. Now, I've heard Mrs. Kerry talk about knowing anything that was going on in Guyana. He certainly was aware from day one when he came and what he was doing. Reports were presented. He came to our offices with a lawyer that was representing the opposite side, the opposing side to the Guyana Cricket Board. He obviously knew that in advance. In fact, at a meeting of Cricket West Indies, I brought this up. And the report presented by that attorney was very much inaccurate. And the current in-house lawyer of Cricket West Indies, who's also the corporate secretary, Ms. Alana Medford Singh, 
was involved in all these deliberations from back to, back in 2010 when CARICOM was involved, when they, in, in the, on the second occasion, when um, PJ, um, the Honorable PJ Patterson, former prime minister in, in Jamaica, he, his help was solicited. And he sent to Guyana um, a guy, I think is, is in his practice, um, Walter Scott, I think he's been conquered. And there was deliberation between the government, the opposition, the Guyana Cricket Board, and all sides. And we worked out a solution. We worked out amendments to this controversial piece of legislation. Um, I'm going to also bring up um, some things probably later on, if you indulge me. Sure. Are you aware that the president of the Guyana Cricket Board cannot serve as a director of Cricket West Indies? Because the constitution that is appended to the act, right, stipulates that the president of the Guyana Cricket Board must be the shareholder representative. And you know um, after the new change, after the changes at Cricket West Indies, that directors uh, and representatives have, cannot be one and the same. Now, I'll say this: the Guyana Cricket Board is always prepared to go to an election. There were elections um, in the last ten years, and there were elections in the last ten years that were supervised by Cricket West Indies. Right? So that is totally true we get through those and so on that has been going back and forth and not court matters filed by the Guyana Cricket Board. Most of them have been filed against the Guyana Cricket Board. So it is not true that for 10 years we did not have election. That's not true. I would like to see this resolved. Um, the follow-up question may vary and I know that they be coming there wasn't question on the date set by the minister. Truly, I had no control over that. I guess the ombudsman selected by the minister and selected few of uh, decided that his role was to verify the register. You cannot have a Guyana Cricket Board election without that verification. We have always been saying that. And that is why there has been a lot of back and forth. I hope that answers the question. Mm -hmm. Um, any reaction? Mr. Maxi, you, you, wear, you wear many hats in, in, in relation to Guyana's cricket. I really want to know, from all that you just said, is the Guyana Cricket Board duly constituted and is running cricket? Have you been suspended by the Guyana Cricket Board or you have not been suspended by the Guyana Cricket Board? What is the true position of cricket in Guyana? Who runs cricket there? There's so many... There's so many core issues. Mm -hmm. Is the Ghana Cricket Board duly constituted? All right. Uh, just trying to um, get our situation up and running. I know that uh, Mr. Sanasi is hopefully going to be with us very soon. Um, Andrew, if, if you would allow me, sure. while we wait for Mr. Sanasi to rejoin us, because uh, uh, you know I have to take my, take my lead. If I could ask Mr. Hope, uh, in the absence of Mr. Sanasi, right. do you appreciate, uh, Mr. Hope, that a lot of the specific lighting? I'm hearing you, you know, uh, the, the screen froze for a bit. Okay. okay, well, okay. Uh, please, Mr. Sanasi, you go right ahead, because I have to take my lead now, but I'll listen to you to your response. Uh, I, I want to ask okay. Mr. Hope. But, but, gentlemen, thank you very much for entertaining. And uh, I'll continue to listen on the program even as I take my leave. Take care. Okay, take care. Yes, Mr. Sanasi. 
Yeah, um, thank you for that. I the, um, the, the previous question broke up a bit. Um, I, I was hearing parts of it. If that could be repeated. Mm. Um, thank so you. No? Yes, Mr. Nasi, I want to know all that you just said. Is the Ghana Cricket Board duly constituted? Are they running cricket? Who's running cricket in Ghana? Are you are you suspended or you're not suspended by the Ghana Cricket Board? Because you wear many hats. You say that the president in your constitution is not eligible to be the, 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 the a director of Cricket West Indies, so you have taken that position. How did you assume such a position of just being the secretary? So where's your position in the well, I, I don't know, Cricket Board? I, I don't know. I don't know that it was assumed. Um, the, first of all, the Guyana Cricket Board is up and running. No one has been suspended, myself nor the Guyana Cricket Board. Okay. Um, I've been reading and hearing a lot, but I can tell you in no uncertain terms, no one else other than the Guyana Cricket Board is running it. And I just want for clarity to state that the Guyana Cricket Board usually recommends whose names goes up as directors. I was just making the point that the faulty piece of legislation and constitution that has been placed upon the Guyana Cricket Board does not allow its president to serve as a director. And these are this is only one of the things that we have been questioning. The constitution that I know about that was passed by the membership of the Guyana Cricket Board doesn't say that. The president can serve. Okay. Does that answer you? If you yeah. saw legislation that said the, the president can serve, who is saying that he cannot serve as a director? Where is this directive coming from? If you if you have a board and they're supposed to make decisions and recommend people. Well, if you have a constitution that states the president and one other and it stipulates who's the other, must be the representative of the member. The directors have to come from the other officers of the board. Okay, I see in your manifesto as well, Calvin is my good friend, about the, the, the implementation of, of a director of cricket for women's cricket. Obviously, you said that you have, you can get finance as well to, to help support these new ventures for, for women's cricket and moving forward. And what plans you and your running mate have to bring back some glory to all women's cricket? Because it's certainly in the dungeons at the moment. It needs a lot of attention. We certainly need uh, more women's cricket to be played uh, in the territories. I'm not sure all of the cricket, uh, all of the territories have a vibrant women uh, cricket program. Um, and this may very well be because of funding. We, after our deliberation, have uh, come up uh, with this idea that we must get someone specifically in charge of women's cricket. I know our current director of cricket is doing his best. He may have a staff to back him up, but it is certainly not enough. Women cricket should earmark to come up on par, to get right up there where our senior men cricket is. And the reason for that is throughout the world, women cricket is now a big commodity. Commercially, it's growing. Right? It is growing commercially. So we think that we can get enough funding and once you get the product and the product is improving, you're going to get financing more enhanced sponsorship and so on is going to come along. But sure, surely what we need to do is start down in the territory at the under 15, under 17 level. Here in Guyana, we started two years back to do 
and under 17 franchise cricket. Now much of the young, young, young ladies coming through are coming through from that. Last year was kind of a bit difficult. We know the COVID and so on what happened. While we were able to run off most of the program uh, because of the women who have been moved, we kind of pushed that down a bit into this year. So we're hoping to have two of those league tournaments um, this year so that we can bolster those senior girls with the, the young um, ladies coming through. I, I really think that it is important for Cricket West Indies because we have ladies in the region who are naturally athletic, who can get into the sport easy, right? And we can develop them, but we need to put funding, more funding into this cricket. And a director of women cricket, solely concentrating on that, will surely take a lot of Jimmy. And so that office that is running women cricket needs to be enhanced. All right, um, Dr. Ford, any questions? Yeah, I do have a question. I, I'm not sure who to ask it to, but I will, I will state the question first. Um, you guys are experienced. You've been in CWI for a long time, and you're aware of the structures and how decisions are made. Um, the, some of the things that have been mentioned would suggest that there's difficulty with the structures, because even though you're there and you want to see Cricket West Indies move in another direction, nothing has happened. So do we need to change the structure as it relates to directors and, and that sort of thing? And how can you guys taking over change the trajectory of Cricket West Indies since the directors seem to be pretty constant? Um, I, I, I'll take the first part. Let me just tell you this. It, it's, my, it's my policy that you cannot achieve good governance by using bad governance. Let me just tell you this. A statutory committee of Cricket West Indies is the executive committee, which comprises the president, the vice president, and a representative from each of the shareholding members. I would go back to Dr. Hunt's administration. Um, there was a monthly meeting, personally, um, by telephone or whatever, and ideas and immediate decisions were shared. And so what I found happening there is that the territories were involved in this decision-making in between directors' meeting, and those minutes were shared, right? For the la at least the last term of Mr. Cameron and the entire term of Mr. Skerritt, there was not a single executive meeting. In the last two years, the ad hoc way in which we put committees together, the, back, the, the flow, the communication back and forth between directors and between um, committees of the board and so on, were not intact. So I, I just think that while these things are in place and governance changes should be constant, which you should constantly be revising what you're doing. Um, I do not think what we have in place is being fully utilized. And so we want to create changes, yes, but why not try what you have in place first? And if it doesn't work, then you move and you, 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 you chop mm -hmm. and change it or whatever. That's what I have to say. Calvin, you can go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Doc, for the question. Uh, where, where, where I sit, you know, what I've seen over the years is that you have a company that is owned by shareholders and 
the shareholders provide the production line for the company and, and to drive the affairs of the company. The company seems to be so far away from the shareholders in its thinking that doesn't share, doesn't know the inclusivity of, of, of shareholders in decision-making and informing in the strategic direction and strategy. There's no involvement, there, there, there's disconnect, right? And, and that is why the decisions, one may say that it is difficult to get decisions made. But it is not difficult. People make it difficult. Because if you have a plan that involves your shareholders and the people who are intimately involved in, in your business, you will get somewhere. But if you, if you decide somewhere by yourself that this is what we're going to do and you try to force it down the throat of people to implement where their circumstances all the circumstances may be different in the different territories, then you, 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 you will be in chaos. And rather than developing an industry called cricket, which is what Cricket West Indies should be, um, CWI should be looking to do and focusing on building a brand and building an industry called cricket, pulling its stakeholders together like tourism. What we want to do and what we have been saying, let's go to government and get government to support and give money. But who's, who, which government is going to give you money and not knowing what you're going to do with it and how it's going to benefit the government and in, in social and economic, you know? So you're, you have most of our, 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 our territories are involved in tourism. Cricket is a big, big tourism money earner. But where is the strategic plan that, that, that pulls the thing together and the partnership with the tourism partners? What we do is when the England tour come along, we throw a bid at the government for millions of dollars. When the government are pumping serious money into the infrastructure in terms of pavilions and facilities and the whole the sports councils and things like that. So you're asking them to pay again. But if you're asking them to pay again, why don't you take that money and put it into a cricket development fund rather than putting it into your general fund to, to, to feed everything else? So you have to be more strategic and I think that is where you can pull the whole um, partnership of our cricket together. But that kind of approach, and then if you if you have a president that cannot, well, that is what you will get. You know? <laughs> Calvin, I, I I I must apologize for for going to this minuscule point on your manifesto, but. Uh, there's a line that says, review and institute a more equitable and transparent fitness standard regime for players. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering what that, what that statement meant. Well, that statement means exactly as it is, because it appears that the players don't fully know 
or even the public don't fully know what they fit the standards are because they're different interpretations. They're, they're, I've heard you comment of it. You're uncertain about it. I've heard other journalists, sports journalists, uncertain about it. And I have heard players complain about it because it, and what has played out is that it is seen, it seems, it appears inconsistent. So that's why we say review. And I think if people are going to be subjected to something, it is good to hear from them, you know. It's a good to get some information from them and to have a manual is written down and held up that everybody can see and what the process will be. So to, 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 for instance, to pull a man from having breakfast, and I'm not saying that this is exactly what happened, I'm only drawing an instance, just before that I've been playing cricket in a tournament, and two days before he is to be selected, you pull him and say, come and do a fitness test, and the man doesn't even know that he has to do that it, it is a fitness test. And then two days later, he's fit again. To me, that is not, is not good communication. <laughs> no, I've I, I got a question for you, Calvin. Um, the voting process, well, what is that going to be like for those members entitled to vote, the voting process? Well, I, I don't know, but what I, what, I can, what I can tell you is that Article 41 Article 41 of the Articles of Association says, subject as provided in Article 41.1, every question submitted to any meeting of members shall be decided in the first instance by a sure of hand, mm -hmm. unless a full member entitled to vote at the meeting has demanded a poll. Mm. Unless. So any shareholder can demand that the elections be done by poll. Mm -hmm. And I think what I have witnessed in the past at elections, they were all done by poll secretly. Nobody knew who voted for who. And that has been the precedent of cricket West Indies, and I would expect that that would be the same. Given COVID, I would think that um, you will put a structure in place, perhaps for your auditor to be the polling, the polling agent, and the polling station, and then deliver to the meeting the results of the poll. In that way. There will be full transparency. Voters, the members entitled to vote, will be under no pressure to, and will be very free, however they want to vote, and be free of any idea that they may be victimized or sidelined by anybody. So when, when will you know the voting process, uh, Calvin? Well, I, it has not been communicated to me. Mm. 
and elections are supposed to be a if I may, if I may, I, I, what I'm saying is that I'm hoping that they follow that the articles will be followed because mm -hmm. I am I I am sure um, that the BCA will demand a, a, a ballot and will, will give notice that they're under Article 41. But the articles of what it says. But the articles of, of association are supposed to be the rules that govern that's the, the organization. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can't go contrary to your rules. And that, so that's the point. Well, well, and well, then you well, want to say something on that? Uh, you know, you can't. You can't. You sh you mean you shouldn't? Mm. Well, and then you want to say something? If you go against the articles, mm. if you go against the articles, then the, the, the meeting is null and void. Well, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I should disclose um, as part of this conversation that uh, the shareholding member, the GCB. Um, through its um, its representative and the president of the Guyana Cricket Board, wrote to Cricket West Indies on this very matter. Um, he received the response back today, and he is going to be. Um, he has informed me that he is going to be communicating back with Cricket West Indies that the full member is requesting a poll. So, if that answers your question in part. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get a poll, what I I can only deal with that when we reach there. But 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 there is a possibility. So, gentlemen, I think we need to answer it. Calvin, the lawyer, um, I think you should go first on this. Well, as I said, I mean, to be Article 41. Yes. Article 41 is very, very clear. Mm -hmm. It is very clear. It and is very clear. So a shareholder knows what he has to do. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I am sure <coughs> CWI will get notice. And, and I would hope that when they get notice that they will put the necessary infrastructure in place. And it's not only about getting notice, Calvin. It's about getting notice if they're in the appropriate time frame, if there's such well, a time frame within the Articles of Association. But oh, well, I'm going back to your manifesto here, because I have it's, it's very it's, it's a well constructed manifesto. I must admit, Calvin, uh, I think it is brilliant. Uh, Thank and, you. And it is one that you know you, you look at cricket West Indies and everybody's fighting for this head on show position. Uh, the same things that we were hearing a couple of years ago about, about Dave Cameron, we were hearing the same thing about uh, Ricky Skerritt and, and Dr. Shallow. You know, this uh, financial problems, there's a cash crunch, disunity, disrespect for territorial boards. Obviously, there's, there's, there's wind coming out, there's disrespect, obviously, to the former greats as well, who pledge their support uh, uh, behind the incumbents and have not really been respected in, in, in some of their opinions of, of moving West Indies cricket forward. Uh, is the Senati hope? combination have for to move or any plans to bring or or, or great cricketers mm. back into the folds and get them into making some kind of significant mm. contribution mm. to help our young cricketers to develop and in what rules you're looking to bring them if you're looking at doing that with these great cricketers because all the other territories all the other international cricketing boards are doing it they're using all their former greats and we are just using ours sometimes or even not at all okay Thank you for your question, Philip. And and exactly in our, our manifesto, it is it is laid out there where the, the cricket committee of the BC, of the of the of cricket West Indies will feature the expertise of 
our cricket legends and people who've been there and been successful in doing that. That cricket committee must. Right now, the cricket committee, the cricket committee does not function at Cricket West Indies. Recommendations come from other places, right? Rather than the cricket committee. And but that is history. What they say, we will review, but the legends, we will be involved in our cricket committee. Every CWI team will have a, an appropriate legend attached to it as their mentor. Mm. Every franchise team will have an appropriate legend attached to it as a mentor. Mm. And in the strategic planning for each team, we will have involved the cricket expertise of people who've been there and done that. Because we are about building a brand. And building the brand, we, we have, these people must be involved in building the brand and building the infrastructure for cricket as an industry. For too long, they have been on the sidelines and just being included by some, some coaching job or as a selector, but not fully integrated in the business and in building the business. And that's where, not only that, in unlocking finance around the world, some of our cricket legends, they are world famous people. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of contacts. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Calvin, uh, if you're going to, who, who knows, who knows, who knows, who knows the president of the of CWI in the ICC? Nobody knows of him, or nobody would know of, of tonight. You only know him because he has that office. But if you have some of your side meetings and negotiating, it will be useful to have some of our personalities mm. helping. Calvin, uh, Calvin, we just got another five minutes left in the yes. show. Um, I'll tell you, Mr. Sanasi, Guyana is certainly locked in. I've gotten several, several WhatsApp messages. And there's one coming saying, um, can you ask Mr. Sanasi about his plan to open a CW commercial office in Mumbai? And there's also another one. Is it true that you reported the president to the ethics committee? Well, um, wow. wow. I'll take I, I'll take your first question first. Yes. And and, and five minutes is a very short time, <laughs> right? Um, I guess um, I guess speaking of Mumbai. Um, let me just say this to you. Mm -hmm. It is known to all of us. It is known to all of us that the political and economic power of world cricket lies in the subcontinent. Can anyone tell me why Cricket West Indies has not taught its students to in any way, through broadcast rights, through anything else, engage the subcontinent? Why is it we're not there? Mm -hmm. Have you been looking mm -hmm. at what is happening with our business push? Why is it we going in, in a different direction and everyone in the world wants to go in the other? Something has to be wrong with our planning. So it's a simple thing. Like you're in Mumbai and you have a commercial office and we're talking on apparel. We're talking about equipment. We're talking about sponsorship. One single sponsor continent, or well, let, let's say out of India, um, can basically satisfy the needs 
for West Indies cricket, the long term. And for, for whatever reason, we're not going in that direction. Now, the, the economic powerhouse in world cricket lies there. So opening an office, and I guess the manifesto reflects a nice building. It doesn't mean you're going to build a building and start there whenever. You need to establish a presence through an agent, and you start there, and you grow that. And I think we should have a staff or two up there all the time looking for opportunities, sponsorship and otherwise. And I'm not looking up there for sponsorship for CWIs. I'm looking for sponsorship for the BCA, the GCB, the TCCB, the franchises within the system. How do we grow T20 cricket um, within the territories um, to feed the CPL and by extension the IPL? Have we ever thought people back in the subcontinent may have an interest in that? Because it is West Indies, West Indian cricketers that grow the IPL, you know. They have now grown the product. So our guys, and we have not been paying attention to how we grow ours. Okay? So that office was one of the things that we came up with, that we got to do something different because we have to grow revenue, revenue streams rapidly. We need to find five, six million U.S. dollars per year. Right, if we're going to actually have programs that make sense, programs that can move us very fast in a four-year period, four to five years. I mean, two years, you're going to get the foundation, you can get things done short term, but you need to move it forward. Um, I, I missed the second question. I uh, went too long there. Is it true that you have reported the president to the ethics committee? I don't know if you're aware, um, you and your listeners are aware, that some recent actions that involve um, the, the Cricket West Indies, um, the president and a few others, um, has um, attracted um, a matter in the court in Guyana. Um, that is as much as I will say. Um, and Cricket West Indies has been named as a respondent in that matter um, because we felt that the way in which certain things was done um, was not the right way, and it's against the whole um, intention of what election and the act and everything should have been. Um, outside of that, um, Cricket West Indies has an internal process of reporting matters that the directors can report to. Um, and I activated that process. Um, I'm not sure at what point it is moving forward. But um, my attorneys will be making some inquiries soon. No, finally, just got another minute left on the show. What do you say to the people of the Caribbean, of course, to all of these uh, various uh, boards across the Caribbean, from Barbados right through to Guyana? What do you say to them? Finally, the elections are going to be held on March the 20th. Let's start with you, Calvin, and then we'll finish with you, Anand Sinasi. Well, Listeners, and, and for, in response to your question, mm -hmm. Sanasi Hope, the future, the rescue team of West Indies cricket to bring it back to the glory days. Mm. Mr. Sanasi, final words with you. Andrew, um, from where I came, um, came from, I don't know if you check the manifesto, I'm a former military officer on top mm. of everything else. Yes. Yeah. Um, rescue may be a word that um, 
is synonymous with the things we do. <laughs> and I, I think that in less than a year, there will be no regrets once myself and my running mate, um, Calvin Hope, is given the reins of this organization. I can prove to you that <clears throat> the turnaround that we made in Guyana in a six-year period um, would be nothing that you would witness as cricket West Indies lawyers. And Anson Massey, we want to thank you for coming through and talking to us on Mason Guest. We want to thank you, Calvin Hope, as well. We want to thank you, Philo Wallace, for the big smile. Thanks to you, Dr. Ford, for, as usual, asking some very interesting questions. And, of course, a little, a little earlier on the show, you'd have had Derek Murray and Sir Clive Lloyd was very much in the show as well. We also want to thank, of course, uh, young Jason Mohammed for coming through and talking to us. So, those big elections are going to be on March the 28th. Mr. Sanasi and Mr. Hope looking to unseat, of course, our good friend there, Mrs. Garrett. The business of a leader is to turn obstacles into stepping stones and disaster into triumph. I'm Andrew Mason. Here's open for a variety tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Andrew. Happy New Year, Tony. Happy New Year, Mr. Mm -hmm. you know he's a good guy we we have 
differences, uh, and and I, I hope Courtney will play a role in, in West Indies cricket down the road. But mm-hmm. Courtney is very very uh, blessed. He and his wife Kate must have come as close as one can come to to uh, saying goodbye to the world. Mm-hmm. A really shocking uh, photograph. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, we certainly uh, wish Courtney Brown well, and uh, of course, the, well, I understand the work for recovery may take long, but of course, he's very much with us, and we're happy that he um, is there along with his wife, and she's doing pretty well. Now, some other matters. You've been in office now for just about nine months now. Generally, are you happy with what has happened so far, Ricky? I'm not unhappy. Um, we we have made progress on several fronts. Um, you know, Rome was invented in a day, but mm-hmm. I'm happy to say that we, we have lined up the, the forces on the same track, so to speak. The whole mission is to get all of the assets, human assets in particular, uh, moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, would you have expected anything different so far? Anything that might have disappointed you? Anything you would have wanted uh, to achieve that you haven't achieved in the nine months? I I would say that I came uh, not totally ignorant of most of the problems, but mm-hmm. the one problem that I was definitely ignorant of, of was the extent to which we have been in cash flow crisis.
you and you know that you're going to have it in advance, then you're either going to find a way to fund it or you're going to have to cut costs. There were no attempts to cut costs because there was so much confidence that it would be funded by a loan uh, generated in the form of a bond. But, and so I, we could we could spend two hours on your program talking about this, but this is not the right time. No, no, it's not the right time. But, but essentially, the let's say on day T minus one of assuming the presidency, you were totally unaware of the financial situation of Cricket West Indies. I would say totally unaware. You can't be totally unaware that the organization is not a a, a plush, profitable organization. Right. We have seen the organization struggle over the years to, to even break even. So uh, what I said was that it was shocking for me the extent to which we had no cash. Oh, oh I see. It's about cash flow. You, see, you, you, you can see figures, but it, unless you get clear information about cash. Look, the organization itself wasn't even clear who it owed money and how much it owed money to. Really? It wasn't that bad? Oof. Oh my god. Alright, well, uh, in the interest of time, we, we, we're going to move on. Just before you came on the show, Mr. President, August Higgins, the noted Jamaican journalist, he, he, well, he's got an article saying, has Kerr abandoned the West Indies first policy? And in that article, he pointed out that Trevor Penny, um, you know, Monty Desai and uh, Chris Brabanzon, the Corbyn education manager, aside the batting coach, Trevor Penny, the assistant coach, they've all been picked and you enunciated a policy of investing in first policy when you first took over. And there's some criticism coming from the Gleaners article written by August Higgins. How do you respond to that, Mr. President? There was a, a Sunday Gleaner article that followed the next day. Right. That, that as a result of the interview that they did with me. The, by the way, the gentleman who authored, uh, wrote that article without attempting to speak to anybody in oh. the West Indies. Oh, yeah. Not even Jimmy Adams, who mm -hmm. is a famous Jamaican and West Indian who is director of cricket and who ultimately uh, gives, you know, the final word on some of these things in terms of the technical side of it. Mm -hmm. So there was no attempt. And then the Jamaica Sunday Gleaner called and asked for, uh, you know, uh, uh, some feedback. So I, I thought it was brilliant of the Gleaner to create an issue and mm -hmm. then address it uh, <laughs> in, in the paper. That's great journalism. Yeah, you know, they yeah. created an issue which didn't exist and then talking it up. Because the fact is that we have put out, first of all, for six months, we circulated a draft Western Insurance Policy to, to all over the place. Mm -hmm. And it was finally uh, adopted a month ago at our board meeting. And it, it's, a, it's been put out there for the media. It's, it's on our website. It's uh, all over the place. We've shared it with quite a few journalists. It's there. The problem is that not many people have read it, Andrew. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what we have done in that policy. One of the key things we have done in that policy is to insist 
first of all, that it is not a West Indies only policy. It is a West Indies first policy. Oh, okay. And that where the technical people are hiring the best from around the world who are not necessarily West Indians, that there must be an arrangement within their contractual arrangements. There must be an allowance for them to be reassigned as necessary to development and high performance situations. And they must be involved in active programs for succession planning and for passing on skills and technology and, and, and wisdom and so on. Mm -hmm. So that was not in place before. That is a, a big one. As, as a matter of fact, um, they're speaking about who we hired, but we've also, as you know, come to, uh, uh, I have to say, we, we didn't fire any foreign coaches, contrary mm -hmm. to what you may have heard in, in other sources, big uh, piece of the media. We actually reassigned the foreign coaches we had, and they refused to, to carry out the high performance and, and developmental role that we were asking them to perform. And so we came to a, a mutual uh, 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 termination agreement in the case of, I'm talking about in the case of the former head coach and the former batting coach. Mm -hmm. So the, the issue then comes up, Jimmy and the new, of course, as you know, we have a West Indian head coach now. Right. So, and, and that was a matter of policy that we would not even invite any non-West Indian heritage coaches to apply for that position. So there is actions speaking louder than words. And that head coach and his boss, the director of cricket, mm -hmm. then set about to put their management team together. In the meantime, there was a new head coach for the women's team, Gus uh, and he said about with his boss, Jimmy Adams, to put a management team together. And if you look at the management teams, you will see that the foreign coaches are people that have been asked for by that uh, West Indian uh, cricket expertise, not by the board. Mm -hmm. The board did not say, we want those foreign coaches arbitrarily picking them for whatever reason. The coaches that are now picked are picked by the head coach and by the, the director of cricket and others who they may consult. One of the things that is happening though, just to wrap this up, I don't want to take too much time, I'll do your time on this, but is that what the folks are saying is that the T20 cricket in particular has moved so far in terms of its special needs in fielding and in batting especially, that they want people, and in video analysis, I notice you have missed the fact that the new video analyst is in fact an Indian national. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, you know, the, the, the people who have come in, have come in because, uh, by the way, we've just lost a wicket. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Chase. Chase called it the wicket for 19. It's 178 for 5. Thanks for the But the, the, point, the point is that it's being done constructively. It's being done with a, 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 a very sensible approach. As a matter of fact, um, 
towards the end of this month, there's going to be a coaching symposium where the new, uh, you, you mentioned the, the, the new coaching educator, mm -hmm. Chris, Chris Barbarazzoni, yes? Mm -hmm. Chris is working with Jimmy and with uh, Phil Simmons to pull together a coaching symposium which will bring the various coaches around the region together along with the West Indian coaching uh, uh, support team to talk about the best practices and the learnings and, and some of the things going forward. Now that is coaching development. Remember he's coming, the, uh, the biggest part of his role is coaching education. So he's going to be helping to, to ultimately, with input from all of these people, put a West Indies coaching manual in place for the first time ever. And this coaching manual will deal with the usual, you know, level one, level two, level three expectations and so on. But ultimately, all I can assure you is that you give it two to five years time, mm -hmm. West Indies coaches will be among the best in the world. Not just two or three of them but most of that. Mm -hmm. mm, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I go back to, to some of the things that you mentioned that you you have the, the document that articulates the West Indies only, but West Indies first, and that has guidelines, etc. Then you have a specific coach for each uh, area, the senior men, the women, etc. Then that coach gets together with Mr. Adams, the director of cricket, and the two of them pick a team. I, I assume using that document of West Indies only, West Indies first rather than only. The, the One of the difficulties... Um, just, 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 sorry, let me just interrupt you here for a second. Yeah, I have a question. Hold on. West Indies first policy is only official since one month ago, okay? Also, they were they free to divert were, from it. Okay, they weren't bound to it by then. No, no, no. They were not, they didn't have a document in hand. Okay. They were, that guided them officially from the board until recently. However, it was no secret, it was no secret articulated only yes. by the president. Yeah. To all concerned. Yes, I, I understand that very, very well. They, they knew the ethos of, of this new dispensation that was going to be adopted and only got adopted last month. But as I was, was saying earlier, the head coach and the, and the director of cricket, being fully aware of the well-ventilated uh, West Indies, first, rather than West Indies only um, idea, then come together and make decisions on, on the personnel for the coaching. Uh, the, the, the difficult thing for, for fans and other people is that when you apply all that knowledge and you select a batting coach uh, that was selected, when you consider all of the West Indians that are alive, that have the skills of batting and have coached. The, the problem is that there's a plethora of West Indians who, by the standards of 
of being a backing coach can stand above the person who was chosen as a backing coach. So it begs the question, when the coach and the director of cricket get together, is it that they're following the, the mantra of, the, of that document that was recently adopted, even though they, it wasn't adopted then, but they knew it, or is it that the coach is really given the nod to, to express himself and, and to come to a conclusion? That's the real question. Uh, let, 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 me, let me repeat. First mm -hmm. of all, I, I, I sense that you're speaking about a particular position. Well, I don't want to pick apart all three, but I, I just want to give you one you, person. You, 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 you can pick apart anything you want. Yes, I, I'm aware of that. I'm a co-host on Mason and Get and have that ability. Exactly. Yeah. So, more power to you. The, the point is that, by the way, my students have just completed the victory. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I could pick apart all three if you wish, but I think we're running out of time, so I didn't want to yeah, why burden would I, you. Why would I wish, why would I wish to, to... Well, it's, it's the principle rather than picking them apart, uh, Mr. President. Well, so yeah, the simple, you know, I've, I've said that in as simple a way as I can, but the question is, when the coach and the director of cricket get together, does the coach have the ability to vary from that West Indies first policy? I, 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 I've made it clear before, and I'll make it clear again, right. that it is the coach and the director of cricket with support from the HR people in terms of the, uh, the, the, the contractual side of it, the legal side of it, the remuneration side of it, the, the whole process of bringing somebody on board an organization. I think you understand that, but the two the two technical people involved in recruitment of technical expertise, they make the decision in their deliberate judgment which is the best individual available at that point within the budget or whatever other constraints they have and their own particular needs of the team. If even if you think that there was a West Indian that may have been more suitable for them, then it is up to them. That's why they are hired. So if they choose a foreign coach over a potential West Indian, mm -hmm. they know that that individual will have to go through a process and will have to be explained as to why that person is, in their opinion, the best person. You can bring these, look, Jimmy Adams can come on your program. Mm -hmm. Bill no, we welcome uh, speaking to Jimmy about it. You, you, if you can facilitate you, that next week, we'd be very happy. Argue, you can argue with them about who's the best coach in what. It's not an argument, it's just, it's just a discussion, a friendly discussion. The bottom, well, the bottom line is, my role is to see to it that when this first policy gets implemented on all fronts, they have chosen people who they feel and who they, they don't have to do much convincing to me because I trust them. Mm -hmm. That's why they're there. The difference between me and maybe other presidents is that I'm not second guessing the head coach and the director of cricket and trying to impose myself and my own limited cricket background ahead of theirs. That's number one. Mm -hmm. So if they pick a coach, having 
answer the questions that they know that they're going to get from people like me. They then have to go about making sure that those coaches do what they can to spread their information and expertise to West Indian coaches and West Indian players and on all fronts. These individuals have said to me that T20 cricket has transformed so significantly that there is a gap in West Indies coaching expertise in several areas. I said that earlier and I'm saying it again. Mm -hmm. That was the explanation they gave for picking the people that they picked. And in some cases, some people were not available, others were available. And that's how you go about recruiting people now in the new in the new dispensation. All right, uh, Mr. President, uh, final question. I know you've got uh, to go pretty soon. Your priority in 2020 for West Indies cricket? Boy, Andrew, the, the, let me just say that, you know, it's very easy to say. You asked me, I think the last time I spoke to you, you asked me uh, if, if I had one wish. Yeah. And, and, you know, you thought that I would say to win the World Cup. Right. I, 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 all of us, everybody who loves cricket wants to see West Indies win everything, but especially World Cup. You know, and people say, well, we won uh, T20 World Cups uh, four years ago, and, and you know, we, we're going to see if we could do it again. The bottom line is that um, if we win a World Cup, I'll be ecstatic. But what I want is to see the team growing uh, sustainably. I want to see all the teams showing significant improvement. Terms requirements. We have some key programs to roll out. Uh, we have the governance report. I'm sure you must be anxiously waiting. Yes, indeed. That is going at us. Bear in mind that the financial procedure supposed to and it was delayed somewhat. It came to us in the December meeting. It was supposed to come to the
you know, that's a big development because we want to give the under-19s right through to the emerging players as much exposure as possible so that there will be players, a wider pool of players, and players ready to take up positions when positions become available either through retirement or through injury or through whatever. We must always have good players ready to fill the breach. Well, uh, Mr. President, I want to thank you very much indeed for taking some time out. Time out. I know you've got a very busy schedule, and we want to wish you all the best. Happy New Year to you, sir. Look, Andrew, let me just say what a pleasure it is to, to have a chance to have this conversation. Sure. I want to emphasize that you must invite people like Phil Simmons, Jimmy Adams, yes. and others, and others, there are many others, Roger Harper. Yes. Get, get these guys to come and have that kind of discussion that, that you try to engage me in so that you can hear it from the horse's mouth, as we say. I, I will certainly do that. I would, I would, I'd, I'd love to have Jimmy. The problem is Jimmy doesn't talk a lot, you know, Mr. President. It, you, I don't, you don't have to talk a lot. You just have to talk sensitively. <laughs> um, and and critical. <laughs> We don't have Jimmy as a talker. You know, I look. I I want. I can't say it enough, Andrew. Right. What you guys do week in, week out, week in, week out. Right. Every week you're on the cricket, on the cricket trail, and I'm saying to you, thank you for doing it. Right. Indeed. No matter what. You have to keep the flame of Western is freaking alive. Right. And, and the next you time... You have to agree on everything. Right. Just keep the talk going. Right. And the next time you're in Barbados, I'm going to uh, make sure that you have a, a drink with Dr. Ford. My co-host. I, I, I look, let me just say this. Dr. Ford is doing a tremendous job. He has to challenge yes. the question and, and verify. That's what we expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 Mr. President, I, I think if you've got a proper media policy, and I know when you took us out to, um, to, to dinner there in, in Pitts, um, I, I really want perhaps to focus on that as well, because sometimes it is very difficult because there's no real media policy um, for people like Jimmy Adams or even Phil Simmons to come and talk to us, and, and maybe if you can get that going. You know, be happy. I mean, when I told you already, I told you already there's a media policy now. Look, there is. It's spelled, it's spelled with three letters. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All yes. right. Yes. The, the problem is we don't have a media uh, director. Okay. And that is because, as I said, <laughs> it, it is not a priority at the moment. Bearing in mind the other priorities, such as coaching development director and others that we have to bring on board mm-hmm. because of the because of the cash flow situation right we have to be careful with our fixed cost my point is that has been put lower down the level right we want to have a product first and we want to have stories to tell before we could begin telling them right okay? wonderful well enjoy enjoy your your, your dinner mr president don't eat too much i don't want to put it all of it because i understand you may be president for quite a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you have it.
Here you have it. Here you have it. Here you have it. Here you have it. Yes, indeed. Here you have it. That was an interview with Mason on the Mason and the guests with President Ricky Skerritt. Hope you enjoyed it. Just want to say good night and God bless. Be sure to join us come Sunday. This Sunday we have a wonderful show lined up for you. Also, we have some entertainment for you on Saturday mornings from 9 until 12. So join us. We will definitely be glad that you are with us. So hope you have a wonderful evening. May God continue to bless each and every one of you who took the time out to listen to us. Good night. God bless.